word and for peace, joy, understanding, righteousness, holiness, all of the things that come through your word. It's just a full provision. We partake of your word and dine and sup with you. We have full uh, provision for everything that we need um, as far as our our well-being, our spiritual well-being is concerned. And then the things that we need in the material realm. We thank you for those things. And we bless you and we praise you Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 So we're con- continuing to talk about it's the law. And today we're going to talk about the law of faith. It's the law that when you obey uh, God, it's already been decreed that you receive what you are believing for. It just it's it's the law. So when you obey certain laws, we talked about the law of increase, and we talked about the law of the prophet's reward the last time. That's kind of a part of the law of increase. Always understand that that there is that reward for you uh, who receive from the prophet. You're entitled to the prophet's reward. You need to find out what that is. You know, I mean, really, it's it's a kind of like a a challenge for you to delve into it a little more to find out what it is that really belongs to you. But I I believe that that the prophet's reward is is something you can claim from any any of the um, the um, workings of the prophet's ministry that you ever see in the Bible there's always something in there that you're going to need for you that you can claim and you can know will come to you. Uh, you, you you'll, you'll never starve to death I know that much uh, <clears throat> you know if you, you stay faithful to what God tells you to do and you learn how to open up your heart and your, your ears to the words of the, the prophet you can, you can understand how that works and you can let that you can put that into your employee in your life anytime uh, that you need it um, the other one is children and offspring you know that that's something that that the prophets were known if women didn't bear children yet they were known to come to the the prophet of God and there was always a way to get that blessing into your life uh, the other one is is increased spiritual power um, always you know you, you just know there are certain miracles it's not hard for you to believe for supernatural uh, to come come through for you you know and and, and <clears throat> sometimes you don't really understand appreciate these things until you start talking to some of your your Christian friends that are in weak churches they 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 don't know they're weak they believe that they're doing uh, what they're supposed to do and, and that as long as they go to church and pay their tithes or whatever you know little legal thing that they, they feel obligated to do that's as far as their faith goes. Their faith doesn't extend to, to uh, making declaration about things. It doesn't extend to confronting obstacles that come in your way. It doesn't come, you know, extend to, to standing on the word and making things fall and knowing that they're going to fall before you and not overtake you, overcome you. And so <clears throat> these are things that we we know are, are there for us. They're privileges as far as God's concerned and God's word is concerned. But your faith has um, made you aware that this is your reality. 
this is more your reality than just sitting around. Um, most of you, if you had to go to a regular church now, you'd blow your brains out after probably about 10 minutes because you'd sit there and there's not enough anointing for you to feel God in, in the worship. You can't get healed. And that many times you'll come in here and your body's tired and weary. You go out of here and you got more energy than you know than you ever had. And that's because the power of God refreshes you as you worship and that kind of thing. So we need to understand these dynamic things are, are a portion to us. And that's part of the prophet's reward. All of these things are part of the reward that you have for receiving into this uh, atmosphere and, and working here being a part of what's going on here all of those things are do you uh, most churches there's no work spiritual work for you to do prayer is done in a uh, closet somewhere at six o'clock in the morning with all the elderly people in the church that feel like coming out that day so there's no prayer life uh, in the church there's no prayer covering for the people uh, you know what you can't get on your own you just don't get and so there are many many differences uh, <clears throat> that you can list and they are blessings to you they impart to you a way to out of your trouble every single time. I don't think anybody here gets upset uh, because they have difficulties and thinks there's no way out. You you just always have a vision for your escape. Your it's going to end. I can kill it. I can squash it. I can get rid of it. And so that's always there. There's a different level of faith and hope there. And so all of these things are available to us. Because it's the law that we receive these. See God makes them come into your life. Because of something you have done. That is obedient in obedience to his word. And that blesses you. And so today we're going to talk about the law of faith. And how it's the law. If you obey God. There are certain things that come into your life. Period. They can't be stopped. And so I think if we understand that. That once you've obeyed God's law. These things will come into your life. And you pass his test. They're there for you. Keep serving God. Keep serving him at a higher level. And not at a lower level because you've suffered some kind of disappointment or something. You know, I just tell people, I said, well, if you didn't get it this time around, make sure you don't miss it when it comes around again. You got me? This is just the way life is because there are many times that that things that we're believing God for, if you get faint, you get weary. It's like a a reaching out for a brass ring if you're on a a merry-go-round. If you don't stretch far enough to get that ring, you won't latch on to it. And see, disappointment and weariness will keep you, well, why should I reach out? Yeah, I get it last time. I'm not. And so you make sure you keep your faith stretched out there so that when When it comes around again, and it will, nothing leaves your life forever. You got me? Comes around. If we don't get it on this side of glory, you get it. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. You go, you'll find somebody, get married again, have another family. This family will last forever. All that stuff will happen, you know, because of, of God's eternal word. So, a uh, new heaven and a new earth are coming. So, these things are not lost forever. You know, I know people get upset because things happen in this life. And I'm thinking, I said, man, eternity's a long time. Have you looked down the road? 
road <laughs> no because all we see is this life and we're so anxious about it and I'm not saying you don't use your faith for over here but don't get all bent out of shape because you missed something one time you know you know this business of missing and not recovering that's for for the people of the world you're you're a person who can recover we recover things with, with our faith and we recover everything because it's laid up for us just because you can't find it that don't mean it's lost from God and if you stay with God he'll show you where it is he just wants to see if you'll trust him or if you stay in that mood Hmm? stay mad at him and everybody else withdraw and all that kind of nonsense he wants to see what you're going to do you really believe me or not and so this is the law of faith it's the law of faith God cannot deny himself you'll know for certainty one day that he had it for you you understand what I'm saying whether you got it or not you'll know for certainty that it was yours we'll talk about that when we talk about Moses but anyway in Romans 10 we see the law of faith this is what we use to when we talk about (coughs) leading people to the Lord now there's leading and there's leading okay folks you can you can lead people to aspects of God when they're sick and they need prayer when they can't get a um, out of a bad job into a better job you're leading them to God the provider you know it's not always the prayer of salvation that we want to and you all know that you know people have so many different kinds of needs and God wants to be there to help with all of those needs he also wants to to for them to be saved eternally so don't get comfortable praying for people's pocketbooks and their bodies only you know let's ask God come on God when when can I pull the trigger <laughs> when is it their day their time etc so it's a, a full package he desires but <clears throat> this is the scripture it says in verse 8 the word is nigh thee even in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach so once you've heard the preached word that word is near them so it's important what you tell people about God about healing about themselves about their sin and they can confess it and get it out of the way etc etc it's important what's preached to them I've found out that people get saved based on what whoever talked to them told them that's as much as they believe so you better tell them the word tell them you gotta agree now to live holy when you say you're gonna live for God this implies that you live the right way you live God's way you can't live any kind of way you want to and call yourself a Christian you see people let me tell you where the church is getting herself in trouble again is with these people who are challenging us on the on the 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 grounds of homosexuality can a homosexual be a Christian that will shock you the number of pastors that say yes to that that question 
can a Muslim be a Christian? They'll say yes to that and give some kind of stupid technical goofball answer. Same thing that Carlton Pearson gets in trouble with. It's how he got, you know, lost his mind pretty much and lost his church and his ministry and everything. Wanting to include everybody without them coming through the root of repentance. Well, if you repented of your sins and you got saved, what makes you think that everybody else can't do what you did? Are you special? People have been confessing their sins since John the Baptist. Now you talk about somebody that was hard to get saved under. Man that brother would read your mail up. What are y'all doing here? Who told you to come and escape from the wrath to come? You ain't really. You don't really want God. You just try to want some fire insurance. Huh? And how many of us are fire insurance salesmen when we lead people to the Lord just because we're too nervous to ask him if there's something. I know there's something that's standing between. What do you, what do you, what's in your life now you know you need to get rid of so God can see this is sincere. you know. And so these are the things that, that we, we have to make sure that when we, what, what we preach to them is the word and it's truth and they get saved believing what we told them as the basis of their salvation and so he says the word is near you it's in your mouth and your heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you shall be saved for with the heart the mouth believes under righteousness the man, uh, sorry, with with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made until salvation. So it's got to be a heart thing. Your heart has to believe the truth, and then your mouth confess what you believe. It's got to be the confession of your faith. Now, why do you have to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Well, if He's still in the grave, you're not saved. The price has been paid but there's no resurrection life to keep you to bring you into eternal life. So he can't just be in the grave. And really if Jesus were still in the grave why is he still there? Whose sins were on him? See anybody still in the grave died for their own sins and he was sinless. That's why he rose up. The grave couldn't hold him because there were no grounds for, for the devil to hold him on. He's totally acquitted of all personal charges against him. Hmm? So he wasn't in there based on anything he did wrong. So God had to raise him up from the dead. Amen. And so he paid that price for you and for me. That was laid on him because of us. And so the fact that he's raised up is evidence of that. See, it's evidence of that. And so if we will confess, now this is the law of faith. Anything that you desire must spring from the faith that's in your heart to believe for that thing. And once you believe it, it must be confessed. That's why when people would come to Jesus with obvious problems. You know, if you're blind, somebody's leading you around. And Jesus says, what can I do for you? It's like, (laughs) we would think, but that's not true. Hmm? If that person never expresses faith for their eyes to be healed with their confession, he's got no legal right to give it to them. It's got to be confessed. 
That's why people say, well, God knows what, what I need already. Why do I have to pray? Well, <clears throat> why do you, if, if you are, you're, you're in McDonald's and you stand at the counter, they know it's got a whole wall full of stuff you might want, but if somebody just gave you something, you'd be highly insulted. <laughs> some sick people in this one. Tell you some sick people. Are. Sick people out here. And we've had healing schools, and I've looked at people with obvious infirmities and they'll come up and say well I don't need prayer for healing I want my finances straightened out and I'm thinking do you know that if you got able-bodied your finances would totally straighten out where do you think money is going to come from anywho you must confess what you believe in your heart people do it anyway huh a lot of times though people are embarrassed to ask for what they want because it's it you know if, if it's an obvious problem and, and they're accustomed to either being ashamed of it or you know just learn to live with it or something something in your soul tucks it away to the place where you don't really want it corrected anymore so then you've got to work to get your soul from unraveled uh, unravel it from your healing see because your your soul can get bound up in the fact that you've made excuses and tried to cover up and all that kind of stuff instead of leaving it open between you and God God I want this off of me and I'm I'm got my faith out here I can be healed at any time you got me and so it's very very important to keep faith in your heart for things and keep it alive and active and vibrant so that God can see it at all times and God has to see your faith. And so if he sees your faith and you are able to believe that you receive it when you pray for it, confess it out of your mouth, you'll have it. So in Mark 11, 20, 23, we'll see the second part of the law of faith. The law of faith really has pretty much two components. First is you've got to receive faith for what you desire in your heart. You can't be guessing. You can't hear a, a quickie sermon from somebody that tells you if you plant a big seed, God will bail you out kind of thing. It's got to be in your heart. you got to spend some time meditating on it. Driving the doubt and unbelief out in the process. So that you, you believe God. And it's not, it's not like a... You know how sometimes you get around people, especially faith people, and you feel a little intimidated. And they'll ask you something, you think about it, so you can get the right answer for them. This ain't that. The law of faith, that's not the law of faith. That's the law of, you know, shenanigans. Nonsense. (laughs) Spiritual game playing. You know, you got to think about what you believe before you say it. (laughs) It ain't really there. Faith that what you believe is what squirts out of you in time of trouble. You know, it's like, oh, I believe I received what I prayed. I'm healed. You got me. That's that's in your heart. Somebody squeezes you, say, "Ow, that hurt." Get me to the doctor. I sick. You got me. It's what comes out under pressure that's what's really in there 
Because you don't have time to think about it. You don't have time to fix it up so the saints, you can look like a super saint around people. And go home limping the door <laughs> with your feet over in that tub of hot water. It's, oh, Lord, I'm so glad I'm out of church. I can be myself. Well, you don't know what I'm talking about. So it's it's what's in there, what's really, really in there. What comes out in the time of trouble. What comes out when you're challenged. What comes out is what's really in there. Just change what's in there. Meditate on the word and confront whatever it is that, that you're believing that's not lined up with the word. And your heart will be filled with the word of God. This is a correctable condition. This is so easily correctable. It's it's mind-boggling why we don't do more of it. You know what I'm saying? You just if you feel doubt about something, you feel uh, fear about something, you go get back in the Word again, and you refresh what you you got from God, and you start meditating on it, muttering it to yourself, uh, rehearsing it in your own ears, so you begin to like the sound of that rather than the sound of the doubt that comes up every time you look at something you desire. So so this is. This is how it's done, folks. It, you have to have it in your heart and in your mouth. And so in, in Mark 11, though, in verse 22, the answer is have faith in God. So when your faith is put over in God, then you can say things and know they'll come to pass. That's the only way you'll be able to know your words come to pass is if your faith is in God. If your faith was in yourself, you'd have everything in the world already. So you know you have no confidence in your own words. It's, that's kind of like a, a something that doesn't happen unless God's behind it and God's in it. Now we've heard all kinds of people talk their, their big talk. You know, the Goliaths of the world. world's full of them. Sports world is full of them. Uh, you know uh, the entertainment world's full of them and, and all of these people but they get to pay in the price for what they say they want and pretty soon their little confession will change some trust me Muhammad Ali I am the greatest I whoop Joe Frazier and, and, and I believe to this day uh, he was a manic depressive because I've worked in the hospital and I've seen a lot of little Ali's running around there talking that same kind of yak all the time and we would give them a pill to shut them up <laughs> it's the truth I would talk to I had a girlfriend I used to talk to she worked on one floor Her, I worked on the free floor she worked on the lockdown floor and I would talk to her sometimes and, and her name was Bonnie and I said Bonnie she said yes Muhammad she was smoke she chain smoke cools yeah that man is, you know he's a nut if he came up here I'd take these keys out of him. <laughs> she was always my confirmation <laughs> But uh, you know, it, you know, we, that just you know. I mean, he was. You know, if he wasn't, he was borderline or whatever. You can tell he's been medicated because he's he's one of those boxers. Not many park boxers wind up with Parkinson's. They say from head injury. It doesn't come from that. He's come that, but it does come as a side effect from drugs that they give you for you know. So I'm, I'm sure he's been medicated. Nobody ever talks about it, but it's probably one of the biggest closely guarded secrets ever. But 
he's got all the signs there but but anyway you know there are people who will make a confession based on confidence in man and that changes you got me that'll change real quick because he got tired of getting mopped up off the floor when evidence showed that he wasn't the greatest he found a way to quit you got me and so uh, but compare that with George Foreman who got born again and was was boxing and winning almost till he was 50 years old and he said he asked God for the strength to go back into the ring he became a minister and uh was trying to raise money for some some uh he, he there were a bunch of young boys that he looked up to him and he said well i've got this church and i want to do something with these boys and he believed if he could get them in athletics and all of that but they needed equipment a place to and he said he was running around there trying to raise money he said i thought to myself man i could go in the ring and get enough money to buy 15 gems and that's what he did huh talk to god about it god got him back in shape better than he was the first time because he had God with him and from that it went further he his name became great again put his name on the foreman grill and was able to sell they're still selling that thing under his name he sold out of it a long time ago took his cash and, and is having a good time but uh, you know these things happen because of, of you believe your words will come to pass and your faith is in God and not in yourself in your own limited ability to accomplish and I'm telling you if you believe in yourself at some point you're going to get to the end of yourself and realize you ain't great and so the only way that you can believe your words come to pass for real is that God is on your words your faith is in God to bring them to pass and he says have faith in God I say to you whosoever shall say to this mountain in other words say the impossible with your words be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but believe that those things which you say will come to pass you'll have what you say therefore I say to you what things soever you desire when you pray at the time you pray believe that you have them already and you'll have them because if you believe you have it already you're not waiting on anything to happen to get it you got it and so your faith is in God because that's how God's faith works God believes that whenever he says something it's, it happens period. He never has any doubt. Oh, wonder what's going I wonder who uh, you know, I wonder if the devil's going to stop this and you know, no. His faith does not work like that. His word faith is holy and pure. Whatever comes out of his mouth is law. He's so right, he's never wrong. And so whatever comes out of his mouth is law and it will happen. And he said this. Now this is this is a key to the doubt factor. I think 25 ought to be right before, I mean right after 23 because it makes more sense. He says, you shall have what you say and when you stand praying forgive if you have anything against anybody. See, that your father, because if you don't forgive others he won't forgive you. And that's how doubt stands in your way. We doubt based on our no-nos. Did I do this enough? Did I do that enough? Did I say that? What did I do wrong? So he says, take care of that at the time you stand praying. 
So don't walk away from the prayer with all this nonsense lurking in the back of your mind. What did I do? Confess it. Get it out of the way. God will forgive you of it. And then you'll be able to go on in faith and believing that you can have what you say. It's a very important part of you. Part of it. So these two laws. Hiding the word in your heart. Believing in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's how you know that there's life on your words. Because he's alive and he lives in you. You don't have a dead man in a tomb living on the inside of you. You got Jesus is alive. Amen. In full possession of everything that he he has and he owns. And he's able to serve you out of that abundance that he has. So <clears throat> the law of faith when, when the gavel is struck in heaven. It's been struck already. Council of heaven has already decided on God's laws. Uh, they're never... Uh, rescinded amended arbitrated whatever they're just there man they're they're perfect that's why they don't have to be altered or changed even earthly kings would do that they they had this idea that in the office of the king there was a certain level of infallibility and once they made a decree it stood that's how your hebrew brothers got in the fiery furnace that's how Daniel got in the lion's den. Somebody tricked the king into signing something. And even though he was tricked into doing it. He couldn't undo it. Because they felt like when they gave a decree it was final. And was not to be rescinded. And so <clears throat> God's decrees are final. They're never rescinded. So, And that's a good thing. Because when you, all you have to do is. Uh, live your life in obedience to his laws and respect him and worship him and honor him in all things and then you fall on the mercy side of the law and, and then you're able to receive mercy from God and the blessing from God the blessing comes out of God's mercy it is the law but it comes out of his mercy the curse or the lack of blessing comes out of God's side of judgment. So there are two sides of every law. The obedient side and the disobedient side. Mercy allows us to repent and get back into obedience without penalty. Amen. So there's, there's no penalty phase in the, the new covenant. The punishment's already been done. Now you may feel like you deserve punishment and you might feel like you're being punished. But that's you. When we feel that way it's because we're not walking with God. We're not close to God. We're a little bit you know, on the rough side of life and not doing what we're supposed to do. But as soon as you get back over into righteousness that all disappears doesn't it? And so really what we've missed is our time being obedient and in the presence and enjoying that life with God that's why it seems like a punishment to us we've really punished ourselves by turning our backs on God or walking away from God or doing things our own way or you know all that nonsense that we do sometimes and so God wants us to grow up and mature and be mature in his in his household and and pull our own weight and pray our own prayers 
use our own faith all that kind of stuff he wants everybody to do that and so the law of faith already has legislated that when your behavior falls in these lines when they follow this road over here that you're blessed and you can't deny the blessing it just comes to you it's an automatic thing when you fall short of that when you disobey and fall out of the blessing realm of God through disobedience of some type then you miss out on the blessing that's new covenant so uh, anyway I wish I thought I would show you this uh, um, uh, example through Joshua and Caleb how clear cut it is about the line of, of belief and unbelief in God's word and the consequences of it understand this that at any time the people who died in the wilderness could have believed God you got me but he referred to them as a stiff necked and hard hearted people make sure that when you're corrected your neck is not stiff you know what I mean by stiff neck you look down at people through your nose and you refuse to humble yourself and say you know what that was wrong I'm sorry I I shouldn't have done that and I repent and I'm asking you to forgive me and I want to do the right thing now you know stiff necked people can always agree with you with their mouths but they never change that's the other part of it there's a little manipulation there or you counsel them so I know I know I know they always know everything but they don't ever change their behavior they don't do the right thing it's hard for them to admit you know their fault and see and admit their fault comes from religion you know many times we have these religious backgrounds where we we run to the priest and make up a bunch of stuff or avoid the priest and so forth and so on or you're in a different type of denominational church where you just go in and nobody's saved and we all play games like you know good behavior games and so it's very important that we get all of that erased from our past and walk in a new living relationship with God and a new living relationship with humanity we make many mistakes we should be willing to admit them especially when they cause trouble for us and other people so we we need to be able and willing to do that and to uh, just be corrected and, and go on and, and enjoy the mercy of God and so in Numbers chapter 13 that's where I want us to go first <clears throat> There is a situation which winds up being a test for the nation of Israel. It's a test of their faith. We're, we all will have situations in life that wind up being tests of our faith. If your mind's made up which way you're going to go, you know, I'm going the Lord's way no matter what, it really isn't a test. You just, okay fine God you know whatever but if there's something in you that maybe is resisting fearful doubtful whatever it is it will be a test for you you'll feel some type of a threat to your security you'll find a a challenge to your whatever you've been telling yourself all this time you you find that you have to change uh, make some changes and you thought you changed enough and you're not changing no more and 
I don't care what happens. I'm not doing it and all that kind of stuff. You'll find yourself in some type of a test. Oftentimes when God sees us getting complacent and we've built a a fortress for where we are right now. He will bring a challenge just so that he can keep our faith active and alive. He never wants you to settle at a certain level. He always wants you uh, to increase in your faith. Many times we'll, we'll say certain things aren't important in life. And then we get down the road a bit and we see how important it really is. You know because we, we've made these. We become aware of God's heart and what he really is trying to do with us. And so um, <clears throat> it's, it's almost like you know some things that challenge us greatly when we're new Christians. Uh, after a while they don't challenge us anymore but then something else comes and challenges us you know is is this we're always building uh this life in God so in numbers chapter 13 uh Moses chooses the heads of all the 12 tribes of Israel uh because God's been talking to Moses about taking the people further you know it's getting crowded in that camp He's got like somebody people estimate two to three million people following him out of Egypt. And they all need to get their own land. They all need to fend for themselves. You know so far it's been like a group thing. You know they get hungry they whine and Moses hears it and he goes to God. You know it's better to let people live on their own. You don't want to be the intercessor for everybody. They can talk to God themselves, you know. In that day, you just obeyed God's laws. You got up and you went and 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 fought and uh, possessed your land, and you can live. And you lived out of obedience to God's word when you got in the land. And so it was a very big challenge for him. So he's telling them, picks out leaders from every tribe. And in verse 17 it says Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them go up this way southward and go up to the mountain and and see the land what it is and the people that dwell therein whether they're strong or weak few or many. Now number one Moses is given them poor instruction because God never told them to look for all of that. See it's better to let God speak to people on their own than for you to inject your fears into them. This is Moses speaking from his own concern and his own fear. God told Moses to send them up there to the land. Verse 13 chapter 13 verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying send you men that they may search the land of Canaan which I gave to the children of Israel of every tribe of their father send a man everyone a ruler. That's all he told them. God told Moses prior to that he'd given him a land that flows with milk and honey and, and all the good things of the land. God never tells you the problems. Because we invent them ourselves. See if you go into a situation and just look for what God tells you. You'll see what God tells you is there. The faith will get in you to uh, possess that. And the problems don't mean anything. If you go up looking for problems that's all you're ever going to see. Your heart's going to faint. You're going to turn around and go back and say why did God do this to me. 
What you see is what you want. What you see is what you expect. What you see is what's in you. It's a reflection of what you think and what you think about God. And these people didn't think much about God. What did God bring us here to die in the wilderness? It would have been better for us to stay in Egypt. Well at least we had a little bit of something to eat. I know Pharaoh we was all skinny and emaciated picking up them big old rocks and making <laughs> making bricks and all that stuff. Carrying them heavy things and making them pyramids. But at least we had a pot of, of boiled uh, onions to eat. We had onion soup. Without the Swiss cheese and the croutons. Right. When Moses sent them out, verse 17, to spy out the land, he said, See the land, what, what it is, the people, blah, 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 blah. Verse 19, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it's good or bad. Now, God told them already it's a good land. He didn't tell them anything bad about the land. And what the cities are that they dwell in, whether they're in tents and in strongholds. And he's just going on and on and on and on and on and filling these people with doubt. Now there's two guys that are standing there listening to this. And they're probably going, oh boy Moses. This guy goes on and on and on. God's already told us. And that's Joshua and Caleb. The first thing God told them about that land they believed and they never changed. Never changed what they believe. Verse 21. So, And then he tells them this verse 20. He said what the land is. Where it's good. Oh, and, and by the way be of good courage. After I've told you all that negative stuff. Just you know hold on to your good courage. Bring the fruit of the land. Says now is the time. It was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up, searched from the wilderness of Zin, and the men came there, and they ascended by the south, came to Hebron, where all these people were, the children of Anak. Now Hebron, uh, traditionally, you'll see it throughout. This is their first encounter with that city, but it was always a stronghold. It was a strongly built city. It was a coveted city, and it was strongly guarded. Because the children, descendants of Anak were there and they were, Goliath supposedly came from that kind of line of Nephilim people that were descendants of giants. They were huge people. And they liked cities like Hebron because they were hard to get to. Once you got in there it was fortified. It was hard to take them people. The people are big number one. And everything else is, you know, that kind of stuff. They came to the brook Eshkel and cut down from there a branch or cluster of grapes. And they bear it between two men on a staff. So really what it was is there was a pole between two men. They put it on their shoulders and the grapes hung on that pole and hung down to the ground. That's how big the grapes were. They could have fed. I mean, talk about getting drunk. Man, all you need to get was one bunch of grapes and y'all could drink new wine forever. I mean, if nothing else, all the alcoholics in the camp would have probably wanted to go up and take We could take it. <laughs> all you got to do is let the right people know what the stuff is. And you got you an army. <laughs> They brought it uh, and they brought her the pomegranates and the figs. You even say how big those were. And the place was called the Brook Eshkol because the cluster of grapes from which the children of Israel cut down from there. 
they returned from the searching of the land after 40 days. Now if they were able to stay there securely 40 days, I mean how did... What did they see? Didn't they think God was keeping them? These people are this big and that land is that fruitful. Something that's productive like that. You definitely going to have to fight for it because the people who have it want to keep it. And he says after 40 days they went and came to Moses and Aaron to the congregation to the wilderness of Paran. Now they come from this place that's lush. All this stuff. Now they're down here in the desert again. I mean just the difference in you know sometimes you'll like if you go to a, say like a, a posh hotel for a couple of days and you got to come back home. You think so. Oh boy. You know where you prefer to be. Huh? And they told him and said we came into the land where you sent us and surely it flows with just like God said. It's good, it's nice, it's everything he said. And nevertheless, like you said, Moses, we should look and see what kind of people there were there. The people are strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, if that's not bad enough, you know, what turned us back was the people are big and strong, and the walls are great, and then on top of that, then on top of that, the devil never gets tired of putting trouble on top of trouble in your in your mind. See, when you're afraid of something or you're disappointed about something, he keeps adding to it and adding to it and adding to it and adding to it. He'll put you in an early grave if you let him. Huh? It says the Amalekites dwell in the land to the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites. I mean, every enemy you can think of is way, you know, just all around there. Part of that little, we'd be fighting people forever. He says the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, still the people before Moses. Huh? Caleb says, shut up. Huh? Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. We are well able to come overcome it. So here Caleb heard the law. He heard the word of God, first of all. 13 verse 2. Send the men out and I'll give you, I've given you this land already. It's yours to possess. Everything that happened in between there means nothing to you when you believe God's word. You hear what I say? From the day you receive the word of the Lord, everything in between there means nothing to you if you obey the law of faith. Because the law of faith says that when they first heard that word and they grabbed on to it, they believed, they received when they heard same thing as believing you receive when you pray. And the new covenant we have to initiate these things with our faith. But our faith is put in there by God. It's put in our, these things are put in our heart by God. You don't just come up with them. It's the same, same transaction. And so Caleb believed that he received that from God when he heard about it and he never changed. What they saw up there meant nothing to him. The land is good. I didn't have to see any grapes to know it was good. God said it was good and I believe that. But that's fine. Now we got confirmation that it's good. That's, that's why people who live by faith 
don't need evidence to confirm their faith. Because the doubters saw how good the land was and that didn't push them to believe anymore. When they got up there they saw one thing that was out of order and their hearts melted and they said we can't do it. Forget the grapes, forget the land, forget how nice it is, forget how wonderful, forget how you know when they when you got that free pass to go into the spa and they you stuck them little corns of yours over in that nice water and they massaged your feet and all that. Forget that. That's nothing. We're going to stay right here in this desert because we know we'll never be able to overcome. In other words, if we believe God, we'll die. It's true. I can tell you instances for all of us that we're reluctant to step in and do what God says and possess. Myself included because we think we're at a higher risk at believing and obeying God and stepping into it. Then it is to stay where we are and die right here. The lepers had more, more courage than that. They got sick of withering away every day. Said why sit we here until we die. We're going to die. Let's die happy. Huh? They weren't even looking for a, a cure for their leprosy. They were just looking to be someplace. They didn't want to die like they lived. They didn't want to die in the same condition they lived in all their lives. Anybody ever been like that? You're sick of being broke. You're sick of being sick. You're sick of being put down. You're sick of all that stuff. You don't want to stay there forever until you die. Yet when God comes up with something for us, we think we're going to die if we step out in faith to believe God. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. That's what keeps us all in the same spot all the time. And you will die. You're going to die to a lot of your fear, your unbelief, your pretense, your yeah, your hypocrisy, your pretending like everything's cool and ain't cool, and you know it's not cool, and God knows it's not cool, but you don't want to step out and do anything different because you don't want to die to all of that stuff that you built up that's not of God. Bunch of defenses. That's all it is. Usually excuses, defenses, and in ways to to allow the 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 what God meant as a temporary situation for you to become permanent. See, He meant for the wilderness to be a temporary. He's just going through. Now you're just passing through there. I don't want you to make a blanket, a tent, and a permanent. You know, I, I'll lead you. I'll protect you. I'll give you the cloud by day and the and the the fire by night, and and you'll have minimum provision. But I have more in mind for you than just minimum provision. And so, but the, to do that is going to take some exercise of faith on your part. So all Caleb and Joshua did was repeat what God said the first time He ever spoke to them. That they're well able to possess the land. They're well able to do it. Caleb figured all I got to do is go walk on it in his mind. You got me? And that's really all the Israelite ever did. Because God did the fighting for him supernaturally. Caleb was not thinking about going out there with a sword. And trying to fight nobody ten times his height. 
You said, no, let me get out there and get my sandals on that bad boy. And I'm going to walk my land off and it's mine. That's what he had in mind. That's all you and I need to have in mind. Is just step out that door and go in and step on it. Huh? Well, Sean, you need to take a day where you just go in and go touch them houses, go buy them, go claim them, go, you know, drive past them, talk to them, grab them, whatever you do, and, and go physically and step on them. And let things fall into your hands that way. That's, you, that's all. That's all possessing is as far as is believing God and he does the rest of the work for us. He said this. He said, you know, he said, let's go up now. Huh? Poor Caleb, he's, he's probably looking at me. I'll wait any longer, man. I've been, these sandals is 25 years old. I don't know how close they were to sandals of 35 years old. He's tired of them same sandals. No, Caleb, you know, he's little little African there. Descent, he wanted him some gators and <laughs> and a brim hat and this sandals man those sandals is rough the feet stay dirty all the time and all that kind of beeswax he said no nah, I don't want this no more huh? give me something new I'm tired of this especially in light of the fact that God's told me there's something better for me ahead I'm ready I want to go now it says, but the men that went up with him said, we are not able to do it. The people are stronger. I'm telling you, our people considerations get us messed up more than anything else. Because God is not people. And God does not work on a human level. God does not even consider people unless he considers them to bless us. People trouble is not even a consideration of God. You got me? That's why God would never have told them to go look and see how big the people are. Instead the people are stronger. And they brought up an evil report of the land. Why is it an evil report? Because it don't line up with what God said it was about. It came from the devil. Huh? A little concourse at the gates of hell that we dip into periodically. You got me? All that conversation. It goes on and on and on embellishing how bad things are. He says the land which we have, have gone to search is a land that eats up the inhabitants of it. All the people we saw there are a great stature. We saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Now if they were grasshoppers in their sight, maybe that's how they was able to skirt around there for 40 days. And live and prosper. I mean being a grasshopper in somebody's sight ain't all bad. You just got to hop yourself on there and, and tread the land so that you can claim it for your possession. Verse 14, chapter 14, all the congregants is the problem. 
everybody talking the evil report. You see how easy that is to get started? It's so easy. It's hard to find people that will stand against that and believe God anyway. So they lifted up their voice and cried. And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said, what did God that we died in Egypt? Oh Lord, these children should be a prey. It's better us to go back to Egypt. And Then they want to fire Moses and get rid of him. And you know, cause a mutiny. See, one bad report can cause a rebellion of a whole nation of people. So God had to punish Israel. Verse 20. The Lord said I pardon according to your word. But as truly as I live all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. In other words you won't do it. But this is really what's going to happen Moses. You and your people just don't want to do what I tell you to do. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles. Which I did in Egypt and the wilderness. And have tempted me now. These ten times have not hearkened to my voice. So they will not see the land that I swore to the fathers neither shall any of them that provoked me see it so here's the law of faith being violated and you see the judgment that's levied see the blessing comes through obedience the judgment comes through disobedience so those people with 40 years and in you know uh, verse 29 he says your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from 20 years old and upwards which have murmured against me doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swore to make you dwell therein except for this is where you want to be your faith will save you from destruction where the multitude of people fall You hear what I'm telling you? Your faith will save you from destruction where the multitude and majority of the people fall. God will have you put ideas in your in your heart and your mind of things to do. And people will tell you, oh that's a risky business to get into. I mean most people don't even do anything. They, they, you, you'll never be able, that's a hard business to, to make work. huh? That most people don't even do that. So you can see where the multitude fail at something if you continue to believe God in your heart and you say ah but I'm the one who's never let the evil report be the last word that's out there. You got to put word God's word on top of it. Do you know why? Because that evil report will follow you and continue to minister to you unless you stop it with the word of God. You got to this is a warfare. And you got to answer that thing back. Remember Jesus told the fig tree. He looked at the fig tree and it hadn't, didn't have fruit over on it. And, and, and uh, he answered it. See. He didn't let that. I'm not giving you no fruit be the last word. He answered that tree. And he said nobody's going to eat fruit of you from this day forward. And when he got there the next day it was withered already. Hmm. You have to answer these things. 
don't care what it is. Sometimes your eyes will read something or you hear something and you you know trying to get your faith encouraged and you get a, a, a wrong seed in there. You got to answer that. No, that's not God talking to me right there. God would tell me to do so and so. I'm looking for my next move to make. I'm not looking to go sit down and do nothing. And so. <clears throat> God blessed them according to their faith. He always honors faith. That is the highest response we can give God. Is to obey the law of faith. Joshua and Caleb held on and they were singled out by Moses as he prophesied over the people. Told them they weren't going to see the promised land. Now what about Moses? What about the minister? What about their leader? In Deuteronomy 32, we see the end of Moses' life. How did he? How did his life measure up? Deuteronomy 32 and verse 48. And the Lord spake unto Moses that selfsame day, saying, Get thee up unto this mountain, Abiram, unto Mount Nebo which is in the land of Moab that is over against Jericho and behold the land of Canaan get go and go up as high as you can and when you get up there look over and you'll be able to see down in the valley the land of Canaan which I gave unto the children of Israel for a possession and die go see it and die huh go see it and die it's the law. It's the law when we disobey God. It's the law when, when, when you, you don't believe God. See your faith preserves your life. The word preserves your life. Your confidence in God's word gives you life and health longevity. You want to live a long time work for God. Always be hooked up with something he's doing. God uh, you know what else are we doing today? <laughs> God say you still down there. You so old. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> now God says even when we are faithless he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So he will let you see what he had for you. But if you've been faithless you won't go in to possess it. You got me? That's the law. Because the law says in order for God to be true and be honest and just. He must give evidence of that which he promised us. He's got to give evidence. Other than that you can say well maybe God never wanted me to have it. Or never, it wasn't you know, for me. Or I made a mistake. Or God didn't tell me that. Or something like that. But if it's something that truly God told you. He would give to you. At some point you will see that it was real. He cannot deny himself. So he gives Moses evidence. That that land really did exist Moses. And it really was for those people. It really was for you to go over. But you won't go in there. And die in the mountain where you go up and gather and be gathered unto your people. As Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. Because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel. Not with the, with the uh this you know going into the land situation but in something that I gave you to do that was connected to your office of leadership over the people and this was it 
He says, Because you trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Mirabah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not sanctify me in the midst of the people. You didn't portray me as holy in the midst of the people. Remember when Moses was supposed to speak to the rock. He struck the rock under God's instruction the first time. And God told him to speak to the rock. He hit it. God let the water gush out because the people were in need. But Moses went by hitting the rock. And the way that he did in his own strength. Implied to the people that God was angry with them. And God was, was giving them back what they had given God in kind. You got me? He put God on their level, so to speak. Portrays God as human instead of divine. You've got to always maintain a certain level of dignity, a certain level of honor, a certain level of obedience to God because. Now, as humans, we get leeway because we're human. You got me? But don't lean into your humanity to the point where God's honor and dignity are compromised. And so, verse 52, you shall see the land before you, but you'll not go in the land to possess it, which I give to the children of Israel. So we later see um, in Deuteronomy 34, you see the end of Moses in 34, verse 1, And Moses went up from the plains of Moab into the mountain of Nebo, just like God told him to, to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan. Now, that's a long way if you look at one of the Bible maps or something like that. So I believe God had him look supernaturally to see Everything You probably got to inspect it like you would with binoculars or something like that. And so in all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim, Manasseh and all the land of Judah to the uttermost sea. Human eyes don't see that far. And to the south in the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of the palm of the trees to Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, this is the land which I swore. And to see I kept my word most. This thing was real. I told those people that I had this for them. I'm letting you see it to validate to you that the land was real. That it was a good land. That it was a land that flowed with milk and honey. That it was real. And so he says this land I swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This is the same land that I gave your forefathers saying I will give it to your seed and I have caused you to see it with your own eyes but you shall not go over. You will not possess it. So Moses the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord and God buried Moses. The people never, never, they found Moses' bones later, but they never buried him. They never saw him die themselves. God let him die and God buried him. He got him. And so that was the law. Disobedience brought the curse. Now Moses didn't die early. He just fulfilled what God had him to do as far as his faith was going to take him. You see. God has to have people with a certain level of belief in him. And respect for him. And honor for him to take his people into 
a holy place a supernatural listen in other words God can't work with for the supernatural healing power and all that stuff to work he can't work with part time gay pastors he can't work with with pastors that marry somebody different every five or ten years and break the church up he can't work with people like that I don't care what we say well God's forgiving and loving yeah but when you talk about leadership and you talk about getting behind God in something and taking his people along with you honey he is highly selected I don't care how what kind of people you got in your church and how many I'm talking about God and the God that takes people into the supernatural and, and, and imparts to believers the power to raise the dead and heal the sick. You think he's working with somebody who's sleeping with somebody same sex part time and they marry too? Now get real folks. Get 100% real here. He's a loving and a forgiving God. When, when he comes to picking leaders for his people, he is very picky. Trust me. Very picky. And you ought to be glad. Because you don't get to fall over a cliff. Because you're so in love with somebody and you done paid them all your, you've been tithing all these years and bought all these pews and you're going to stay here and nobody's going to move you. You got me? God says move you move. You got me? But you better know what you're doing and why you're doing it. But he says all the signs and wonders which I, the Lord had sent him to do in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh and all his servants all his land. He gave all, all those things he gave to him. But Moses was not able to go. But God did reveal to Moses his plan. Moses was 120 years old when he died. Hmm? Moses, the the the, well, the children of Israel could not find the sepulcher where Moses was buried. That was somebody else. They picked up his bones. I think it was Joseph. Somebody moved around, dug him up, and moved him around with them when they when they moved. But he says here, he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor, and no man knows of his sepulcher until this day. And Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor was his natural strength abated. Mm-hmm. Remember that confession? And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days, so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses was ended, and Joshua, because of his faith, because of his faith. That's the only qualifier here, folks, is your faith. Not your age, not your looks, not your talent, not your ability. Not how much money you got, how much you give to God, any of that. Your faith was full of the spirit of wisdom. And he had served Moses. He was Moses' minister. So he learned as much as Moses knew. But he kept faith in a greater way. And Moses had laid hands on him. And the children of Israel hearkened to him as they did to Moses. But there had not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses until this day, really, that spoke with God face to face. So <clears throat> Moses died his ministry ends because of his unbelief, wasn't obedient to God in the act of ministering before the people. It's very important. And so his faith was judged because he didn't sanctify God he acted in the flesh and on his own volition his own will 
stepped out presumptuously before God. And so and it just further incited the people in their bad feeling toward God. See when God sanctified and made holy the people believe him. They trust him. They move forward. When he's not sanctified they just think anything about God. So, And that's why ministers have to be very important. How they present themselves. Because people get their ideas about God from, from his people. We're his representatives here. And so that's why a lot of times we're made to look bad because if we take a stand on the word it offends people who don't agree with that word. And so if if we'll keep our stand and and all of that and sanctify God before the, the homosexual, the wife beater, the fornicator, the adulterer, whoever it is. Just always uh, keep God holy before them. No God does not honor sin he's a God that delivers us from our sin why would he deliver you from sin and then let you keep sinning and call that love what was that when he delivered you and so we have to keep it real and keep it holy keep God sanctified before the people now the two that when the when the uh, gavel comes down on the law of faith it divides the nation of Israel into those who are unbelievers and they die in the wilderness. That's the judgment for unbelief. You die in the place where you are. It's not that they weren't fed. It's not that they weren't clothed. It's not that they weren't taken care of because God takes care of all of his covenant children. But because they refuse to obey God. And jeopardize what they know by leaving it behind and going further. Their judgment is they live and they die right there. So that's what it is for all of us. Whatever you're believing God for you live and you die right there unless you believe God for more. Unless you can go into that word and find a way to improve yourself in some way. You will live and you'll die right in that same level of believing. Because you refuse to leave that and move out into something that's going to be better for you. That God's told you he's got for you. Many Christians are like that. Go to church twice a week. Come home. Go to church twice a week. Come home. Never witnessed anybody. Never talked to anybody. Never. That's as far as it goes. They never challenge themselves to believe God's word. You can always tell where people stand when somebody gets sick. Christians, you know, they Christians they can be leaders in their church. Ministers, worship leaders. They go right to the doctor. They don't even think about going to the altar and getting prayer. Even to go to a Benny Hinn meeting. You know, a lot of people get so sick they'll sneak over there because that's their only hope. But they won't even go there, some of them. Because they're stuck in that pride thing. They build a, build a monument to their unbelief. And they want to stay there. They don't want to move out. So here we have Joshua and Caleb that back in the day said they were well able to go into the land. So in Joshua 1 and verse 8, Joshua, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua 1 and verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Well, they had to take God's word for it, didn't they? Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people in the land which I do give them even to the children of Israel. And every place 
that the sole of your feet tread upon I've given it to you as I said to Moses all you got to do is go step on it and it's yours that's how you lay claim to things with God you don't have to fight anybody you don't have to talk about anybody you don't have to do any kind of illegal maneuvers to get anything you don't have to work your your little witchcraft on anything you just go in and step on it and possess it so Joshua uh, found out about Moses death and formed the people they had their their mourning period and then they have a couple of battles and, and when they get settled they've come a certain level as a, a nation and then they begin again to divide the land according to their tribes and so in Joshua verse uh, chapter 14 we come up to Caleb's inheritance that God has held on to him because he's held on to God God holds it for you as long as you hold on to God as long as you serve God, trust in God. Sometimes you'll pray for something and not get it for many years. And it'll come up one day and you're in the middle of doing something else. But I bet you're serving God. In the, you, you're not in sin somewhere and God wake you up and say, here I got this for you. You got me? You're following God with your whole heart. That's, that's the other key to it. You're not half in and half out. Verse 14 and in chapter 14 verse 6. And the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kizanite. Kenizzite sorry. Said unto him. You know the thing that the Lord said to Moses the man of God concerning me and you back in the day. Huh? Talking 30, 40 years back, maybe 20 years. He says, 40 years old I was when Moses of the servant of the Lord sent me to spy out the land. Now how many people, you know we complain if we got to wait two weeks for God to do something. This man held on for 40 years under the old covenant. No Holy Spirit to speak to him, nobody to give him God can you give me confirmation just encourage me today nobody do nothing like that just held on to the word of the Lord brings brings his buddy into remembrance he said I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and I brought him word again as it was in my heart nevertheless my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the whole people melt but I wholly followed God not just believing him for something and then going and doing what I want to do. But I wholly followed God. This is a key. You've got to be doing what God tells you to do in all areas folks. You're not giving stuff away to part time Christians. that You do what God wants you to do for a minute and then you can't wait to get out of church to go get in sin again. Or go get in the flesh again. Go, go see somebody you're not supposed to see again. He not given, he not, this ain't for that. This ain't for people like that. He says, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon your feet have trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord. Here it is again. If you doubted it the first time, you've got to follow him with your whole heart. Now behold the Lord has kept me alive. You know how he knows that? Because you don't do 40 years on your own strength when everybody around you is dropping dead. You got me? 
He's kept me alive as he said these 40 and 5 years. Even since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now lo I am this day 85 years old. And I'm just as strong as I was. You follow you follow the Lord with your whole heart folks. I mean you do everything he tells you to do the best of your ability. You mess up you slip up you confess and you repent you make it right with God. He restores you. He renews you. He knows what you're going to need. He's not going to give you something at an age where you're too old to too feeble to go in and take it and enjoy it. He not only preserved that man's property he preserved his life. He preserved his youth. He preserved his energy. He was just like God will make it so that you enjoy it just as much as you would have had you had it back in the day so many people walk away from God because of age and things concerned to age and get concerned about age and you know I, I do it I have to watch myself and slap myself and make myself understand that, that God sees everything he knows everything he, when he says you're blessed you're blessed stuff doesn't come into your life and then you can't enjoy it because of of hardship or lack of strength or age or anything like that he says i got strength now that i had even then so give me this mountain give my stuff don't give it to somebody else because you think i'm too old to enjoy it god give it to me I've been following you. I believed you when people told me it wouldn't happen. When they made fun of me. When they ran me out of that church. Because I asked for prayer for my marriage or something like that. And then and I came here. And I've been following you my whole heart ever since. Give me my stuff. Huh? It's right here where I can get it. And Joshua blessed him. Verse 13. And gave him. Hebron for an inheritance the biggest the baddest the same city they saw back in the day he said my feet went on that and I'm the only one left alive to claim it of everybody who walked on that land that's mine gave him Hebron before an inheritance Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite to this day because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel and the name of Hebron was something else. <laughs> huh? They had named it after the Anakins, but but changed the name when when Caleb received. And Hebron was still a great city. They fight over that city now. You know, even now, they're still fighting over that property over there. Huh? Because there's an inheritance there, and people know it's it's a land that God's spoken of, that God's prophesied over, and, and how important it is. But I'm telling you that it's the law. See, what you be, obey the law of faith, and you get what you believe God for. I don't care how what happens in between. I don't care how many major players mess up in in that thing. If it's yours, it's yours. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever tremble because of it. Don't ever get mad at anybody that tries to tell you it's not yours. It's always a trap of the devil to get you striving over something that you already possess. And so once you understand that what's given to you is for you and it can't you hold on to it. That's your only job is continue to believe God and act like it. 
Act like it. Be bold about it. You can tell people ask you that's mine. I, I know it's mine because God gave it to me. God promises to me and he's not a man that he should lie. And I'm going to continue following the Lord. I'm, in, fi- in fact I'm not going to talk to you anymore about it. I'm going to hide it in my heart where you can't pluck it out and make me get stupid over it. But I'm going to wholly follow the Lord without deviating. Because I know when God comes for me to give me my promise, I got to be on holy ground. I got to be being obedient to him. I can't be in a dive somewhere and he got to go find me and dig me up to give me something. He don't do that. Even the prodigal, his father let his son come to himself and saw him coming home. When he saw him with his foot feet directed that way, he went and met him. But he let him come as far enough so he would know he was on his way back home to stay. And so we have to do these things, folks. With the law of faith, it's the law. God has to give these things to us. But we got to be bold and courageous. We can't can't be wimps and beggars and whiners. And he gonna give it to us because we upset. God's blessings are not a consolation prize. Huh? It's not about that. It's an inheritance where you know who you are. It's part of your identity to know who you are and who He's made you to be and what He has for you. And go get it. Amen. You got to go get it. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding that it is the law. We obey the law of faith. We're certain about that. That we possess what it is that you have for us without fail. And we thank you for that. You're a no fail God. You don't plan any failure for us. You don't tolerate failure from us. And you don't encourage failure from us. And we thank you for that strongly Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God.